Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of Encore. I'm your host, Tony Franchetti. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by one of GI's newest hymn text collections, Revolution of the Heart, Songs by Mark A. Miller. Mark Miller, composer, minister, professor, and musical griot, is carrying on the tradition of creating new world hymns for a nation hungry for songs that speak to the head, heart, and crisis of modern living. Professor Miller reminds us hope will never fail, even when anguish and apathy seem to prevail across the landscape of our country. That right there is an excerpt from the foreword of Mark Miller's new book with us, Revolution of the Heart. Forward was written by Otis Moss III of Trinity United Church of Christ in Chicago, Illinois. And with that, it is my honor to welcome on a very special guest today, Mark Miller. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Super excited to have you on the show. And how are things going with you? Thank you, Tony. It's great to be here. Um, things are going well today. Finally uh, getting a break in the weather, and it seems like the fall has hit the Northeast. So, Yes, sir. That happened quickly. For us, it was uh, in the upper 80s yesterday and today in low 60s. So yeah, <laughs> quite a uh, smack in the face for sure. All right. Awesome. So we'll jump right into it here. First question I got for you, just kind of a, a way I like to start out with a lot of my guests, just kind of a get to know you better question. So can you just tell us a little bit about your roots and your upbringing? Sure. I, I, it's kind of a different upbringing that I had. I was, I was born in Burlington, Vermont. And a week later I was flown down on a plane and adopted by my family that raised me and the only family I've known. And it was really, it was kind of special. My, my dad, uh, my parents who are white adopted five kids. They had two of their own, my oldest brother and sister, um, so there were seven of us all together and, wow, you know, I had two brothers and sisters who were Korean and my younger sister and I are, are black or biracial. And yeah, it was just really special, uh, especially in the late sixties, early seventies, when I was a little kid, cross racial adoption wasn't really a thing. And, right. um, and I just, yeah, I never saw my brothers and sisters as like white or Korean or just saw them as my siblings or my parents. So in my dad's a united methodist uh my both my parents have passed recently but my my father's united methodist clergy person and so was his father and so was my sister and my cousin and niece so methodism ran in our family pretty strongly and uh i just remember going to church a lot as a child and having like uh I was told, and I remember some when I was a four-year-old, like running down the aisle after church <laughs> to hear the pipe organ because there were these big pipes and it would just kind of like resonate and vibrate my whole body. And I just thought that was amazing, the sound of that. And, um, but yeah, so grew up in, in church in Northern New Jersey and going to summer camps. And that was really my, yeah, a big, big piece of my life. Yeah, absolutely. And that's super interesting to hear. Very special, kind of, as you said, you know, having those kind of different backgrounds of your your family members. And I think it's super cool what you said is, you know, you looked at them as just your siblings. You didn't see, you know, necessarily the, the differences. And I think that's that's just a good message, especially for today's world. I think you know, I have a, a one-year-old myself, and that's, you know, that's mm -hmm. the way I'd like to, to bring him up, that you know, everyone's the same. We're all you know, children of God, of course. And, and I think that's the way to do it. I think that's, you know, very special for sure. Mm. Next question I got for you here is when and how did you first take an interest in music? Mm -hmm. 
Well, yeah, I mean, music I from the earliest times was just always a part of my life in a big way. And and like I mentioned, um, <laughs> being a child and having having the organ, the pipe organ, have such a profound impact on me. And then mm-hmm. growing up, uh, music camp, Methodist music camp was huge part of my life and my my mom made us all take piano lessons when we were starting in first grade i think and um in fifth grade after four years i thought okay i've had enough my my piano teacher at the time we weren't very close with but he suddenly died of a heart attack and i was 10 years old so i felt a little sad but in my 10 year old mind i thought this is great no more piano lessons and uh my mom who was the gentlest soul uh she but at that point she's like no mark you're gonna take lessons and i i said no you know i knew it was best for me at 10 years old and uh she said no you're gonna take lessons and i threw a tantrum on the floor and she just looked at me and after i stopped crying she said you're taking lessons so i continued and thank god my mom made me do that because now today of course that that was it like when i the next year i got a really great teacher who just um ignited my passion for piano and it all came together like my reading um listening to bach actually yeah. i was, was you know like i discovered the eight little prelude and fugues and mm-hmm. um that really it just uh it, it opened my world up as a 12 year old and yeah definitely uh, yeah it was great yeah we we have to thank your mom too for <laughs> forcing you to to stick yeah, with it exactly that's awesome so uh when researching your bio one thing i thought was uh really jumped out it was incredibly cool to me was your very impressive school resume you graduated at your uh, bachelor's from yale university and your master's from the juilliard school both obviously fantastic institutions extremely hard to get into i think both have an acceptance rate of right around seven percent so definitely tough for sure um could you just tell our listeners a little bit about not only obviously attending an ivy league school that had to be an experience in itself but also obviously the the juilliard school i mean that's you know incredibly special and not a lot of people get that that opportunity Mm. it's true and i i think those schools have both particularly Yale to get in. I don't know if I could get in today. (laughs) It's gotten so uh, incredibly competitive, but yes, I feel really privileged to have gone to both of those schools as an undergraduate at Yale. uh, I met the best friends of my life and um, studied with some incredible teachers, but as often is with young people, you know, I just didn't understand how, special it was until you're you know, many years later mm-hmm. but i had a I had an organ teacher there in particular uh, robert baker who changed the trajectory of my life he helped me understand that life was a lot more it more he said it's yes i'm so glad you want to do music but he tried to talk me out of it <laughs> for a couple of years because he's like you know music being a musician and having the life of a musician is really hard. It's not uh, necessarily easy. And But he also realized that I was a composer because um, I was composing some small things in college that weren't very good. But he saw that as a real um, opportunity to grow. So he said, you know, keep keep doing the composing. And um, 
And then and he he said, you need to go study with John Weaver at Juilliard. So I did that audition and and got in. And Juilliard was a, it was a, it was a tough place. It was a little colder than I would have um, hoped for because it's a very competitive place, I guess. Right. And people are all trying to scrabble to the top, whatever that means. And <laughs> I've always thought of music as much more collaborative, just mm-hmm. kind of win win situation. But um, but again, I met some really great folks, and being in New York City helped me find uh, you know my communities and I was still growing up in my own identity of who I was like I didn't <laughs> I joked to people you know even though from outward appearance you know obviously I'm brown skin you'd think I'm but I was like what is it like to be black I had no idea until I got mm-hmm. to Juilliard and met my friends in New York and I lived in Harlem and and just and worked for a church there and it and it shaped me it shaped how I view others i view myself how i write my music all of that was was uh, profoundly shaped during my time when i was at juilliard awesome that that's very cool to hear for sure um i gotta ask if i could real quick what was the audition process like at juilliard that had to be nerve-wracking going in right <laughs> it yeah it was um but i you know I guess in order to some people just get nervous playing, you know, and um, but for me, I had a good sense of myself, I guess, and just was like, you know, I know I'm I know I can do this. And if they take me great, if they don't, it's okay too. But so I didn't I wasn't too, too worried. I feel like I'm more nervous these days, like listening to a choir perform something I've written and I'm not even playing and I get more (laughs) nervous. So it's kind of weird, but yeah, no, that, that audition, that audition went pretty well. For sure. So as I mentioned during my ad read, uh, GI recently published revolution of the heart, a lot of great excitement around this, this new collection, uh, especially at the, uh, the hymn society uh, conference, there's a ton of, ton of good excitement around there. So can you just, you know, tell us a little bit about the project, you know, what we'll find in the project and then maybe your inspiration for kind of uh, getting it together. Sure. Well, it was Adam Tice, who is uh, in charge of GA uh, congregational music, I think. Of course. Yes. And it was before the pandemic, maybe at, at least a year, probably. And he he called me and said, Mark, you know, we would really be inter- interested in having you um, do something with GIA uh, on a larger scale, like a collection. And I thought, really, GIA? That would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, and we knew it was going to be a couple of years down the line and, you know, kind of set it up. I had, I, I think there's maybe 31 or 32 pieces in the collection. And I had, I had at least a dozen pieces already that hadn't been published. So, and my, I guess my agenda for always writing music is to create community to, to um, not only create community, but kind of sing about things that we can lift up the values of, you know, how we treat each other. And so I, I'm always interested in finding lyric partners like Adam um, and like others in the book, Lindy Thompson and Dave Bjorlin and Laurie Zalman among others who are interested in talking about subjects of justice or how we treat the other or the the least of these and 
you know, things that Jesus talks about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of, uh, of course, you know, songs that glorify God and lift up um, love and. Right. But that, but the focus of the book of revolution of the heart is the idea that our faith cannot be separated from our acts towards each other. So whether it's social justice or, um, how we look at ourselves and and how I feel God looks at us, you know, we're children of God. So those aspects of belonging, of feeling, you know, of worth, and then treating others the same way, that's hopefully what gets highlighted in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think we sing quite enough of that in our worship spaces. We're really good at praising God or kind of talking about theological ideas, but I really want to kind of get into those aspects of social justice and yeah so excellent very good of course revolution of the heart is available now from gia publications so you get it on our website www.giamusic.com uh go in the search bar you could either search it by title it's revolution of the heart or by its uh product number g10667 so be sure to get there and check it out All right. So you are currently professor of church music, director of chapel and composer in residence at Drew University and also a lecturer in sacred music at your alma mater, uh, Yale at Yale's Institute Sacred of Music and Divinity School. So can you just uh, walk us a little bit through, I guess, you know, your kind of your day to day at these two excellent institutions? Sure. I yeah, Drew is my my full time job. So I'm I'm at Drew Drew Theological School, which is part of Drew University in Madison, New Jersey. I've been there for uh, going on twenty nine years. Wow, and, very uh, good. Yeah, <laughs> as old as you are, Tony. <laughs> yes. And uh, <laughs> um, I I direct a choir there. I teach courses in worship and music. I serve as you know faculty advisor for students or different committee work. So typically on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you'll find me at Drew, um, either leading a chapel service, directing a choir or in class. And then I go to Yale every other week on Mondays and Tuesdays where I teach um, uh, an organ class in the fall and um, a worship class for Andover Newton, which is at Yale as well, Andover Newton Seminary. And uh, I direct a choir as well there and lead chapel service. And then on the weekends and during the week nights, I have uh, a minister of music at Christ Church, which is a UCC American Baptist congregation in Summit, New Jersey. So that's that's where I'm playing the organ and directing choirs and leading a lot of congregational music on Sundays. And yeah, and in between, I write lots of music and I have a kind of a concert career. I go out around the country and or abroad sometimes to um, to share my music and play the organ. And I have a band that I travel with. So, you know, I, I like playing music that's uh, closer to gospel or maybe rock or something in between that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah, you're a busy man. Yeah, definitely. And that uh, perfectly transitions us to the next question. Uh, you mentioned your music director at the Christchurch Summit in uh, Summit, New Jersey. And so I guess, do you think that, you know, your kind of your work in your academic work kind of helps kind of influences your what you do as a church music director? Yes, I it, it's hard to imagine doing one without the other because mm-hmm. the the kind of 
classroom, laboratory, intellectual work or theoretical work I get to do at, 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 at the academic places, it gets lived out in real life with the congregational yes, uh, yes. work. And it's very, um, and, and so, yeah, it's kind of like the rubber meets the road because right. a lot of the things that we learn in seminary, while they're important and good, might not always translate or be um, very useful in, you know, in the real world, in church, in, in pastoral parish ministry. So, but then again, if I didn't, if I wasn't learning something new from my colleagues at, in academia and the students that just bring so much energy in their own experiences, I, I that ha- definitely has profound effects on, you know, how I look at my, uh, my church leadership uh, roles and, and, and it has effects on what I'm writing, my composing. And yeah, so I'm, I'm thankful to do both. All right, cool. So we'll, uh, kind of transition to a couple more uh, casual type of questions here as we wrap up, get towards the end of the interview. Next one I got for you. This is my favorite question to ask composers when I have them on the show. Uh, It's always cool and especially uh, interested to see where it comes from with your your background as well. So who are some kind of mainstream music artists that you like listening to in your free time? (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's funny mainstream. I'm like, I guess Johann Sebastian Bach or yeah. Oh yeah. It's as mainstream as it gets. Right. Um, but you know, I have to say like, as far as, um, I don't know, there's just some, I've got some crazy eclectic taste. I, I listen to Radiohead just about every day. Oh yeah. Um, they're one of my very favorite bands. Um, and I, I just love them. And, as a kid, I listened a lot to Billy Joel and Elton John shaped my piano life. And, and also people like Tori Amos and Peter Gabriel and jazz people like Robert Glasper. I liked listening to. Yeah. So those are probably some, Oh, people like Dan Fogelberg, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, kind of folk country almost. Um, right. So yeah. So, yeah. A little bit of everything then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like Drake. I like. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Next one I got for you. So what are some hobbies you like to do in the in, in the little free time that you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love spending time uh, at the beach in the summer. Um, there's the island off of Cape Cod that I try to get to just every summer for the last 30 some years. Our family, we go up there. Uh, to Martha's Vineyard and I love spending time there but if other like hobby things um, I love playing frisbee oh um, nice and I love bike riding I love uh, if I have time to cook I'm mm-hmm. usually the one in the house that cooks and or going out to a good meal good I, I like that um, and reading yeah reading of course yeah and movies yeah <laughs> Got to ask you about the cooking real quick. If what's if you had to say one of your what's your you know the Mark Miller signature dish, what would you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Probably probably uh, baked CD. Ooh yeah um, yeah something like that. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So uh, we'll wrap up on this question here. Can't again. I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It's been 
super cool getting to know you, talking with you. And uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to really, you know, enjoy uh, what they find in Revolution of the Heart as well. So we'll end here. Uh, a broad question, kind of, but a good way to kind of wrap us up. What's next for Mark Miller? Hmm. Well, I, I think we should start working on the second collection right yeah. away. <laughs> right away, GIA. Um, yeah, I, I, I've got a, um, a commission of a new piece that I've written, uh, and I'll be traveling in a couple of, couple of weeks down to Dallas to premiere that. So okay. uh, looking forward to that new piece getting played. Awesome. Okay, excellent, Mark. We are done. Thank you again. This was, mm. this was very cool. I had a blast. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Tony. I, awesome. I appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you again, Mark. I really appreciate your time today. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. We appreciate you listening to that interview with Mark Miller and certainly hope you enjoyed. For a limited time only, we'll offer 10% off Mark's new collection, Revolution of the Heart, songs by Mark A. Miller. Use promo code ENCORE10 at online checkout. That's E-N-C-O-R-E and the number 10, all one word. Make sure you hurry because this is a brand new book. Discount will only be good until October 7th. Thank you for tuning in to episode 21 of Encore. We will have multiple new episodes dropping shortly within the next couple of weeks, so make sure you keep an eye on GIA's social media channels and as always, soundboard.giamusic.com. Until next time, take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.